Welcome to the Rainbow Remix Summer Pride 2023, Part 3. Today we're welcoming DJ Jamie Smith and musicians Katie Marie and Joe Twist. I don't, did you, I don't know, like, there, she's out there. You're the Florida version of Sex in the City, JD. That's when I was smoking my cigar. <laughs> don't be an asshole today. Up first in the mix is DJ Jamie Smith. How are you? So obviously the last time you and I spoke, I was a stand-up comedian yep. uh, doing shows at Pride festivals and uh, P-Town, things like that. Yeah. And um, I was also a freelance writer for Out Magazine, for Out Traveler, for The Advocate Magazine. I was running their comedy section, but I was also a writer, so I would write for other sections too, right? So I would do comedy and I would do music and travel. Um, And so I'm still a writer. So that part hasn't changed. So I know JD is going to pop on and and totally want to be a part of knowing where this idea came from. So tell me a little bit about how you got started, but no, actually, let's go back. Tell me a little bit about how it works. How, how it works people sure yeah. yeah yeah so essentially songs that save your life is an e I, call it, I like to call it an e-publication it's essentially a publication that you would get once a week you subscribe to it it's totally free to subscribe right now um and it comes out once a week every thursday you get an email in your inbox and it would be an article about one song in rock and roll history where we would cover sort of the context the history of that song but written from a queer lens because i think part of the reason i started this project was because as a freelance writer and and journalist i have always been obsessed with rock music and sort of grew up with the mtv generation it was kind of my babysitter as a kid years ago yeah on tv i just saw a meme and it made me like oh my god and I'm 43. Like I literally was raised with this as my babysitter. I had a single parent, worked a lot. So all I did growing up was watch MTV my whole life. Um, and so it ingrained in me. Um, but like as you know, somebody who is obsessed with rock and roll, as someone who is queer, as someone who has worked in sort of with other journalists, what I started to realize over time is that rock history is very queer. It is rock history is queer history. Some of the architects of rock and roll are queer. And a lot of rock journalists are cis, hetero, white men, which cool, except for that's like one lens, right? And so sometimes I think um, queer history sometimes can get erased or downplayed um, or even just- Whitewashed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Whitewashed, right. Um, and so I am sort of setting out to try to reclaim some of these stories. And so we don't we don't only talk about queer rock and rollers. We talk about 
straight rock and rollers who ha also made an impact on you know queer people who like like I like I said I'm a huge Prince fan. I grew up in the '80s. Prince is the one who literally taught me about gender identity and gender fluidity because we didn't have those tools in right. the '80s. Right. We right. had Prince. Right. Like we yeah. had Annie Boy Lennox. George. Boy George. Yeah. George. Yes. So regardless of whether Prince is gay or straight, like he made an impact on us queer kids growing up searching for an identity. And so this, we talk about, you know, we talk about the history of rock and roll, like from a queer lens that I think often doesn't get talked about from great yeah. journalists, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of reclaiming some of those stories. And also maybe just like, I think there's a lot of people in our own community who don't know these stories, right? Our own, our oh, own. Totally. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, queer, even the queer artists, they don't even know, let's say like speaking, you know, from a, a Londoner's perspective, right? Like Dusty Springfield, like right. is a queer icon that so many yeah. people don't even know that she yeah. was queer. They don't know that she was the first rock and roller to come out of the closet in this in 1970 like yeah and so it's it's not only about like claim reclaiming these stories for our community but also helping our community maybe also just learn some stuff that we weren't taught or given or remember okay here's jd let me let her in hi hi made it i made it JD, this is jamie smith up there what's hi, up you all I right then? Looking forward to this. Yes, there was a huge accident on the way home. And uh pictures like proof. Like I'm not just running late. I'm literally stuck behind an accident. I'm like, oh, oh that's rough. I, I know I missed the first part of this conversation, but I love the concept of what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jamie was just telling me how um when you when you sign up you get a, a weekly newsletter that comes out on Thursdays or whatever and they're they're delving into a little bit of the history and rock and roll with different artists and everything but through a queer lens mm -hmm. it's kind of different than the standard cis white male you know right. music journalist that, that writes so this yeah. is a great um a great way to uh, learn a little bit I like, I like finding out stuff that I didn't know, you know, mm -hmm. and I just, I think that's just a great, you know, uh, that, that usually when it's, when it's with that angle, it it's always something that you didn't know because we're so used to reading Rolling Stone magazine and, you know, mm -hmm. and getting that one single perspective. Mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. so this is fantastic. Yeah. And nothing but love to Rolling Stone or right. all those magazines, but you know, yeah. I, as I was saying, like, it's, it's really often, like, I think I was telling Denise that like rock history is in fact queer history, right? There's, it's like yeah. very rich in queer history. And some of the first people who sort of quote unquote invented, and I get in a lot of trouble to kind of get into debates about who invented rock and roll, but some of the inventors of rock and roll were queer and black, <laughs> you know, like black, Little Richard. I mean, look at Richard. Little Richard, right? You know? Yeah. 
like Little Richard who came out before Elvis, right? And Elvis covered like four Little Richard songs on his first two albums. And, you know, think about Little Richard in that way. And, you know, even before Little Richard, he was inspired by Sister Rosetta Tharp and Big Mama Thornton were like in the, you know, Sister Rosetta Tharp's first single was in 1938. Like, I mean, these are sort of, and they were both queer women, both queer Black women who oh, sort of right. yeah yeah and Ma Rainey um exactly. I watched that movie I couldn't believe oh yeah that was good how much about her life like people didn't know that was just uh she was uh such a groundbreaker you know just didn't care just plowed right through what people thought yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, for that time you know that time. where money talked you know, <laughs> throw money at the problem. I love that. Um, We're thinking about experimenting with making videos on, on TikTok so that you can talk about at least this history and also play some of the clips from music. The only thing that you miss is sort of like what you're talking about, which is the interactivity of yeah, the engagement. People right. say, this is my song. This is my story. So right. there's a lot of options that we're kind of weighing um, right now and maybe all of them, <laughs> you know, like- right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like just a wide open frontier, you know, from here. But I think that you are off to an amazing start. And, Absolutely. you know, I feel like so people that are watching or listening for for this that want to know how to find you, I'm just letting you know that I, I found it on threads, right? Songs to Save Your Life. But available, <laughs> like you said, on TikTok. Is it the same name? Is it the same handle? Yep, Songs Saved Your Life on Instagram. It's Songs That Saved You. Um, but also, if anyone's listening, you want to just go right to your internet browser and go to songsthatsavedyourlife.substack.com. That would be the website. That's where they um, can sign up and... You can subscribe and you can read the full archive of stories there. Um, so once you subscribe, you'll get a new story every week. But if you go to songsthatsavedyourlife.substack.com, you can go and you can read all of the archives if you're like oh i want to see who else you've written about yeah. um, we've got stories on little richard and on prince and on george michael and dusty springfield and grace jones like we've got a wide gamut of people that we've already started covering patty smith like so lots of folks um great so i love that you covered dusty springfield by the way because like we talked about that in the beginning uh, yeah. Pioneer. yeah pioneer yeah awesome yeah. <laughs> I know. She was one of my favorite ones, actually, to write about because I, I felt like she, like, I didn't know this. Like, she really was kind of like a tomboy growing up. Like, she looked like this growing up. Yeah. That's, that's like why she got her nickname Dusty was because she used oh. to get dusty and dirty playing with the boys, like, yeah. in the streets. <laughs> and then kind of assumed this, like, prom queen persona as a survival mechanism, really, um, to become famous. And then, you know, it was like the first rock star to come out in 1970 before Bowie, before Elton John, like, before everybody. She yeah, did. Springfield. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about her. That, that's interesting, an interesting fact. Because I that's why yeah. this is important. What this is why Jamie's work is important. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really encourage everybody to go check it out because I've i I'm loving it. Like I really am. I'm so proud of you, Jamie. <laughs> oh, Denise, thank you. That's so nice. Yes. So, yeah. I'm gonna 
gonna let you go, but I give Lucas my best and uh, <laughs> and you know much success as you yes. bolt forward. Thank yeah. you. Get with us. It's so great to meet you, JD. Thank you so much for having okay. me on your your show. It was so it was just so fun to talk about it all. Yeah, <laughs> I love what you're doing. It's awesome and unique. Yeah, that's what I like. Uh, no we one else is queer. We yes. love niche queer, Jamie. <laughs> yes. Awesome. All right, listen, have a good night. You too. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Again, Up next in the mix is Katie Marie, recording artist and drummer on the road for Sophie B. Hawkins. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Hello there. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, thank you. Pleasure to meet you too. How's it going? I'm okay. I'm I'm here in London and it's uh raining heavily. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep like telling JD like I'm worried about my internet. So if I freeze up, just just keep going like it never ends. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, cool. Great. Great. All right. I am so excited you're here today, Katie. I'm really excited to have you on the show. And awesome. The Funky Biscuit, what a great, amazing show that was and what a talent you are. But I didn't know just how multi-talented you are until I was looking at everything you're doing on uh, online, on Instagram in particular. Wow. Oh, wow. You're too kind. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> your guitar playing and your songwriting and the, your drumming and all the all the other instruments you play, you play keyboard as well, right? Well, yeah, well, I, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you. You're very kind. You're very kind. Thank you. Yeah, and that was a really, really fun show that I met you at. That Funky Biscuit show was mm -hmm. so much fun. Yeah, you missed out on a great show, Denise. I heard. Are you from Florida then, Denise? Yeah. Yep. You are. Oh, yeah. No way. Yeah, just a, one city over from JD. <laughs> That's how we met. Yeah. I was gonna say, how did you two meet? We've been okay. friends for forever. Um, yeah, I used to host a different podcast and um every pride, every pride I would get to introduce JD. Our <laughs> <laughs> paths crossed a lot in the Yeah, scene. and then we just wrangled, we wrangled her into like being on our on our <laughs> podcast all the time, and and then we just like We'd stalk her. We would like call her while she was in the middle of shopping at Target, and <laughs> she was on the road when she was at work, like all the time. So, yeah, we just uh, we've been friends forever now. I think I think forever is a safe. Pretty much forever. When yeah. I was traveling more for my music, I'd call in the show, her show, yeah. and I like it sounded like I was this world traveler, but I really probably wasn't as traveling as much as it seemed, but. Uh, <laughs> So, well, we acted like we had to, we like a famous rock star on. We were all <laughs> love having rockers on our show. <laughs> yeah. and, and you've been traveling with Sophie, right? How do you go on the road with her when she's on the road? Do you play with her all the time? Because I was trying to figure that out uh, with yeah. your schedule. It is kind of it's kind of difficult because it's a cross between my schedule and I'm doing more production work now. 
and also that both Seth and Sophie are in the north and I'm in Texas mm -hmm. so unless there's like a run of shows it makes it a lot more complicated to actually get me physically up there but um yeah I I mean I love Sophie and Seth dearly and as you probably saw at the show like we enjoy each other's company so much and oh yeah yeah it, it's just been such a wonderful literally life-changing experience quite honestly because um I I went into the tour initially suffering terribly with imposter syndrome and oh. yeah because Sophie B is somebody whose music I grew up listening to and we did a, a week of shows with Paula Cole and she's mm -hmm. someone who I also right exactly to these that was a right reaction yeah <laughs> And I just went into the whole thing thinking I'm not good enough. They're going to see through me and blah, blah, blah. And it was just so funny to be in their company and realize that they're just people. And I was like, oh, wow, they're people. They're just like me and they're just like you. And um, yeah, and it was really, like I said, a, a, a life changing experience for me to realize that I do actually have something to offer and and uh yeah it was just it's just been awesome how did they um, how did they find you how did uh Sophie how did they find you that's a great question quite randomly actually Denise <laughs> so, I've, known, I've, I've known Seth for for about nine years and even though we've only met a couple of times we've interacted online a little bit and during the pandemic I was doing a lot of live streams and I was posting these funky Friday videos every Friday where I would challenge myself to come up with an instrumental song in two hours. And I was only allowed to do two takes of each instrument that I was playing. So I would re record like drums, bass, uh, guitar, and some vocals, and I had to put it all together in two hours. And that was also a great exercise because I do get a little too precious with stuff and I just had to just keep moving, you know, and it was wow. really- Yeah, yeah. Uh, not no. getting wrapped up and stuff and Seth got to see those videos and I, I didn't really know anybody really was watching them to be quite honest <laughs> and then yeah and then he oh. called me probably around this time last year and said you know I've got this tour coming up with Sophie B I thought you'd be a really good fit and it was so funny because I'd literally just decided I wasn't going to tour anymore. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to tour. I'm going to focus on my recording work. That's what I'm going to oh, do. Yeah, would you can't. No, I mean, I can, can you? with you like that. This is like, oh, really? Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I had to really think about it. And then I, I said, you know, I can't miss this amazing opportunity. So I said yes. And I, I'm so glad that I did because it's been incredible so much fun and all the time I just have to pinch myself all the time going is this Aww. me in life right now <laughs> no. that's so um, cool yeah you I can really see that uh that um synergy between all of you on stage you know that you are greatly that you're friends and you respect each other uh you know through the whole show it's just it makes it so much more fun for the audience too and the fact that you guys come out and meet the people after the show was so really really nice for all of us that were there um sophie comes out to the merch table which is refreshing to get to do that to get to meet the artist so um yeah and i'm enjoying your live streams on instagram oh. your is it noodle thursdays uh, <laughs> thursday, the tuesdays where you you do all the different songs and 
Uh, yeah. Cool stuff, and then you write the songs on a fly. I love that. That is so awesome. Well, thank you, JD. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I during the pandemic, I started. I actually started four live streams initially because I'm a sucker for punishment. Um, <laughs> but I kept one of them going for the past three years, and that's been my solo show every single Tuesday. Hang out on Facebook. And yeah, it's just a really, it's a cool group of people that are just really kind and awesome. And we love hanging out with each other. And yeah, like you said, one of the things I do is the KM songwriting challenge. And I, I write a song in 60 seconds and people <laughs> type in their ideas and stuff. And yeah, sometimes it's a train wreck and other times it's great. And, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And quite honestly, I didn't think that the live streams would go on as long as they have done. You know, I, yesterday mm -hmm. I did my 129th show. Wow. And I never thought I would be carrying them on three years later, but people are still coming. So they keep <laughs> 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 That's So awesome. yeah, I've been doing that and also nighttime noodles I've started doing again, which is just instrumental music. And I do that on a Thursday night. And the idea of that initially was that I wanted to help people just calm down during the mm -hmm. pandemic because there was just so much stuff and it was so overwhelming. So and I thought, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I thought if I just create some instrumental music that people can meditate to or listen to or even go to sleep listening to, a lot of people do. Oh. And yeah, that was just my main aim with that. And yeah, I, I I brought nighttime noodles back recently and people seem to be into it. So yeah. yeah. And your wife does those with you? Does she do all of your live streams with you? Because I, I think the one I saw, she was there. Yeah, she, she does. She helps me a lot with my Tuesday show. Um, <laughs> she's a harmony vocalist and yeah, she also yeah. helps me because there's a lot of screens, a lot of stuff and things to do. So <laughs> she's great at helping me with stuff and she designs all the graphics that are on the screen and everything. And yeah but uh yeah it's a lot it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun for sure definitely like uh i think what happens is like a lot of people started doing things during the pandemic and you know kudos to you for keeping it going because mm -hmm. a lot of us have now changed our ways you know like i am very much um in favor <laughs> I'm staying home. <laughs> home. I'm sure you guys heard about the beads saga that happened. I, I had my beads taken from us. Yes, I heard that. Yes. Uh, you got you them know, back. I did, which was just insane. It was totally insane. But I'd taken them off and left them on the side of the stage. Mm -hmm. And someone while we weren't there, and by the way, that never happens. I always have them upon my person or they're in my bag. And someone had come on the stage and obviously taken them and walked off with them. And amazingly, after putting out a call and saying, look, you know, no hard feelings, guys, but I I, I can't function right now without these. Like, this is a calming, a grounding thing for me. And without them, I feel really discombobulated. And amazingly, somebody said, yeah, I've got them. I'm sorry. I, I actually didn't realize they were yours. Someone else gave them to me, whatever. Oh, wow. and, and they actually did bring them back to the venue. And the venue then posted them to me and I did get them back. So it was just like this amazing kind of universe, putting everything together and I got them back. But Oh, it was meant to yeah. be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was crazy, but it happened like right in the middle of a run of shows where it wasn't like I was at home to kind of be like, okay, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it really threw me for a loop for a couple of days. And again, you know, uh, Sophie and Seth were so kind and nice and, and uh, you know, helping me trying to get them back. And so, yeah, Aww. it was amazing that I, and I'm very grateful. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that I thought it would be anonymously someone would send them back to you, but they actually owned up. Well, they said someone gave them to them. So, you know, you don't know, but yeah. yeah that's, I know the whole story, but I, I do know that they said they got <laughs> home and they were looking at them and they were like, hang on a minute, wasn't that drummer wearing some beads? That they take and they were like, oh my God, we've got Katie Marie's beads. <laughs> oh shit. And so they called the venue and said, we think we have the drummer's beads. So yeah. And then they brought them back. They brought them back when they said they were going to. So yeah, it was amazing. I think that, you know, that that's that would have had to bring some bad karma or juju if you did not give those back to you. I was thinking that when they were missing, you know, I'm like, yeah, someone's got to give those back. How could someone think that could be good in any way? Right. But yeah, um, I agree. It restores your faith, agree. though, you know, like something like yeah, that restores, was, restores your faith in humanity, you know, that there's still some good out there, even though the world is an absolute friggin' dumpster fire. You know, um, there's there's always like something that that comes through that makes you go, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm okay. so right. Yeah, so right there, Denise. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm on, honestly, I I honestly didn't think I would get them back, but I was very surprised when it happened because yeah. that kind of thing never happens to me ever. ever. <laughs> I don't get things taken from me. In touch wood, it will stay that way, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Things like that don't happen to me. The universe takes care of me and people are super, so kind and so nice to me. And you know what? I think somebody was just really, really drunk. There were a lot yeah, of probably. people at that gig. And I think they just came up and just weren't even thinking and then just gave them to some random person. I yeah. Think. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, wow. I don't think there was any ill intent there, but I agree with you, JD, in that I think it would have been bad karma to not bring them back. <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. are, would you say the drums is your first instrument or is it guitar? Because you're an amazing guitar player. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you. Um, I would... I don't, it's it's weird because people do ask me this and I wish I had a really good answer for them. <laughs> you know, I started off originally on piano and I'm really grateful that I did that because piano helps you have a good idea of like theory in a way that guitar just doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. you look at a fretboard, nothing makes any sense. But if you look at right. a piano, it's like, oh yeah, that's why that's a sharp. <laughs> flat, right. Um, yeah. really, I actually gravitated towards guitar when I wanted to get into songwriting mm -hmm. and, and then from there I started getting into recording and I wanted to record my songs and I had a Fostax a Fostex uh, four track cassette recorder and yeah I needed bass and drums and yeah. I was just like hmm go out and converse with members of the human race or teach myself those two instruments. I shall teach myself those two instruments. <laughs> so that's where that came from. Then it's actually ah. served me pretty well. It's worked out all right. But that was the whole reason that I taught myself is because I need I need a rhythm section for my song. <laughs> so you're the rhythm section. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So I kind of learned drums and bass around the same time when I was 17. I started, I started teaching myself those two things. Yeah, yeah self-taught awesome. too. Self-taught. That's amazing. Thank you so, nice so much. Here today with us. Yeah. Thank you. So, this has been great. Like I, oh. I can't wait. Just tell me what your Instagram handle is, so we can well get it out there for everybody. 
Sure. My Instagram handle is my name with music and it's got underscores in between just to make things more complicated. So it's Katie <laughs> underscore Marie <laughs> underscore. <Marie. laughs> That's fantastic. Great. <laughs> and Facebook is, is same thing? Facebook, just to make life more confusing, is actually Funky Girl. F-U-N-K-E-E-G-I-R-L. Excellent. Okay. Fantastic. I thank you so much for no your uh, Thank you so much. Time. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. It's lovely to hang out with you both. And let's do this again sometime. I would, so I would like when you come back to Devon, you know, like drop an email. Let I me will. know. Maybe I will. We over. I'm, I'm way over in South London, but, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm there. I've been dying to go to England and London in particular. So I'm coming there this year at some point. Well, pub tour, pub yeah. tour. There you go. Hey, Dee, I, I feel like you're going to get to Austin before you get to London. <laughs> I'll pick up Katie in Austin and we'll come to England. There you have it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, ladies, have a wonderful night. Thank you, guys. See ya. Last but certainly not least in the mix is Joe Twist with the music behind the movies. I'm Joe. <laughs> Hello, nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. And I'm Godly Hour in Australia, but not for me. I'm the, I'm the vampire over here. Me so, too. Gemma, yeah, uh, yeah, she is, yeah. Totally I'm the same way. I, I get more done in the evenings than I'll ever get during the day. Absolutely. Oh, you know? Yeah. So, um, so Joe, <laughs> we, we talked yesterday about your... Uh, you are a composer, you are a music arranger, uh, you are constantly busy. I, uh, I'm amazed at some of the, the projects you've, you've got going on. Um, did you hear anything about um, the, were you up for an award? I was, and it was on Tuesday was the ceremony and we didn't win. Oh. It wasn't our night. Great uh, to be nominated. But uh, but what I the, the news I do have, which um, it's unofficial, uh, but it it's looking extremely likely that the show will be at the op the Sydney Opera House. Oh, more likely than ever before. Wow! So, yeah. So we've had That's an Adelaide Festival um, run that was the premiere, and then um, next year, um, cross fingers and toes and touch all the woods and what have you. Um, we mm. will have it at the Sydney Opera House next year. Yeah. Wow. And we're talking about, we were talking about the, the death of Dr. Duncan. That's right. Watershed is Watershed. the sort of quick name, but yeah, but the, the death of Dr. Duncan is, um, and there's, there's actually now a book by the historian as well called the death of Dr. Duncan, which was connected very much to the show because he was our historical consultant and very much a big part of the show. In fact, he even appears in the show because he's just part of his world in a sense. Not right. himself, he represented right. yeah. you know, a, a short solo and um, and actually in the production, we have a picture of him as well. But but we actually just call him historian. So it's not like we name him in the show, but um, you know, it's just, that's to sort of jump ahead in the sense that's an example of, um, you know, the re repercussions of a moment the same way I'm sure it was with, with Matthew Shepard in the US, um, right. you know, such a horrific event. And then the um, uh, court cases, the injunctions, and then the political machinations and all that stuff. So 
Yeah. So in a way, the topic is pretty timely with what is happening with the LGBT community now. Yeah. yeah. As a as a composer and a and a musician, like when you meet when you're when you're signed on to do a project like that, how do you you know where do you go to decide how you want the music, what style, and that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know that you say that because it does it is the emotion it, it brings mm. all the, you know, the music part brings the emotion to the whole project so that's uh that's got to be uh is that solely left up to you as the composer as to what style of music you would be using i think it is although um i think overall in this case it's kind of like, you know, we've chosen your voice. We've heard what you do, the, the language that you, you create. And I do write a lot for choir, but mm-hmm. I also write for orchestra as well and stuff like that. But but also I think maybe because I do film as mm-hmm. well. Oh, so, yeah. but I, I think comparing it with film is probably the best way to describe it. Writing an opera or an oratorio, I mean, let's put them in the same category in a way as, as like a staged thing that isn't necessarily music theatre. But it's even, they can connect. I think there's moments of music theatre in my show as well. But writing in that style um, or having that gig is like doing a movie backwards. It's uh. like, yeah, so it's it's as though I'm writing the movie and they're filming it to my, like I'm writing the script oh, kind of in collaboration. Yeah, wow. like, yeah I mean, there, there's different exceptions because when Spielberg hires John Williams, He's definitely hiring John Williams' sound. So there's a mm-hmm. similarity in that way, but he kind of he does the film and then John Williams fits it to that. And so and often John Williams will, will, will talk about how, oh, you write a phrase, but then you might have to save the sort of second part of the phrase for another piece later or something, or something, or maybe the credits or something like that, because the scene only goes for so long and it has to change or what have you. So you can't just, you know, continue on forever. You need to um, give space to the dialogue and to the story and what have you. Mm-hmm. Whereas in writing a piece like this in particular, you can let that unfold and let the music uh, unfold, and particularly the oratorio too, because it's, because it is more abstract. There's no sense that you know uh, a scene and just, it takes this long. Then we have a flashback or we or flash forward and what have you. We can just kind of tackle um, ideas. There is a chronological sense to it to a degree but we can be a lot more abstract about what we're portraying here. And we can have tableaus and have moments of reflection. Um, yeah, uh, that's kind of the best way I, I think to describe it. And in the end, I think my style um, was what they wanted from kind of casting me in a way for the yeah. show. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. Like when you, so I was looking at some of the other projects and stuff that you've done and it's, it's so vastly different. Right. Yeah. Like I yeah. saw the, you know, Bluey in the credits. Right. And then I saw Pitch Perfect 3. Bay oh, Wars. that's right. And yeah, that was just television like an hour ago, an hour ago here. What <laughs> this was? Is funny. Pitch Perfect 3. It's funny yes, that you mentioned it. <laughs> it was just on TV. <laughs> I said, oh, good, I'm getting paid. <laughs> but, you but, know. You know they're, yeah, so, sorry, go they're so, so different. You know, yeah, like yeah. your catalog feels um, eclectic and, and broad. Um, so I'm wondering when you get called up for a project, uh, you know, especially something that's heavy 
like like this you know watershed uh, mm -hmm. versus what you do with bluey and pitch perfect does your whole uh mindset going in feel different well part of that is 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 taken care of for me because i would describe bluey pitch perfect and um watershed they're not only completely different um in terms of the style or what have you but i have completely different roles on them okay. so in, in pitch perfect i am literally no one in fact i'm not even in the credits to be honest with you sorry to burst the bubble <laughs> I, my company is in the credits so that was just a gig that okay. was a great sort of like oh we need someone who who um basically it was my job to help with the orchestration and print out the music, make sure it's all in order, make sure there's no wrong notes. Okay. Go to the recording session, put it on the music stands and sit there and, and be ready to print some more music if something goes wrong, basically. Wow. That was like, that was like, like a project a, manager, a, like, a, like yeah. a music project manager. Totally. Well, I mean, I, I worked for this company called Steve and Giuliani Music. Steve was the boss um, and I worked for him. I mean, that you know, working in Hollywood is like, um, you know, there are people who are major, but they they are made they are helped to be major um, by having a lot of people help them. And I'm one of many, you know, in that case. Right, right. No, definitely. Working for a company who works for a composer, who you know, who works for a director, it's that kind of thing. Um, Bluey is a little bit of like the next tier up in terms of like you know create creative um involvement having a credit and what have you in that that's really my good friend joff's gig joff bush is the composer of bluey he wrote the famous theme it's his gig i've done 20 episodes out of 154 uh every episode feels like a feature film it's a lot of work in fact i feel like i did more work on two episodes maybe of bluey than i did on watershed in some ways that's wow. that's not true it's yeah. just a lot, like <laughs> a lot of people involved in that show. Um, yeah. And it's too. But um, uh, yeah, but I'm, he basically subcontracts me as someone, oh, this would be great for Joe. And there's, there's about, oh, 15 ish composers in total. I think I've probably done, um, apart from Joff, uh, and, and I'd probably be on par with one or two other composers as well. Uh, and I I live down the road from his studio, and I'm always in oh. there. Okay, uh, we yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's like a kind of like a yeah a collaborative team on different shows for that. It's and then Watershed is for me, basically. Yeah. yeah when I saw that you did the music for Bluey, I was like, oh, I have to let my nephews. My nephews love Bluey, and I, I'm like, I told Denise, oh, I, he does, and the Wiggles. He did a Wiggles project too. <laughs> The two that I knew, and I thought that was like so cool that you have such a diverse um, catalog of, of you know going from Bluey and the Wiggles to the yeah. dark, the deeper stuff that you that you've done, yeah. and not even like to mention your uh, involvement with choir, you know, yeah. and uh, and uh, and opera, and mm -hmm. like I was looking at some of the different pieces that were on your website. Do you? It's. Um, do you prefer uh, like that? Because it it seems so much bigger. You know, it it just feels <laughs> bigger and it's you know climatic and swells and you know it it it's definitely and it feels more live in the moment. So mm. it's, is choir like something that you just kind of keep in your back pocket or for? Well, choir is where I started. I think. Um, uh, my first, you know, major 
achievement, I guess, was um, winning a competition uh, with a famous choir called Chanticleer in, who were based in San Francisco. Uh, I was only 21. And then I just became a big choir nerd. There was a very strong choral program at UQ where I met Jem, for example. Yes, uh, I know. She's very interesting. I was Jem's theory teacher too, I think, back in the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, things. Like, I remember, for me, I after I saw Steel Magnolias in the theater, you know, and then I would, you know, see the a, a commercial or something for it on TV and those that, you know, those melodies or those those notes would, you know, you could connect with them again. I went out and bought like the soundtrack to Steel Magnolias, you know, oh. just, and just like, oh my God, like there's no words, it's all instrumental, you know, but it, it just like made you yeah even more with the film and i think that um that it's it seems like finally you know composers are getting more work uh more notoriety you know mm -hmm. more more and more except you know there's those big few like you mentioned you know hans zimmer and john williams and those you know we hear and we know because they win oscars so often but to know a little bit more about like behind the scenes, what it's like, you know, I love watching like a documentary and stuff mm -hmm. about it where you see the, the picture on this huge screen and they're all in like a, you know, a symphony hall and mm -hmm. they're watching it with absolutely no sound. And then you're watching them, the conductor, you know, with an orchestra putting that sound together. And it's, yeah. um, it's, un it, it's, a, it's a, just, an under appreciated talent, you know, uh, for, for yeah. doing for doing that. Like it's very, totally. yeah, it's really it's a interesting. Tradition. I mean, it's why I moved to Los Angeles. Well, I started in New York and then I moved to LA, but it's why I was so keen to get over there. I mean, I applied for a scholarship eight times at least. It took me a whole decade to finally get the scholarship to go to the USA. Um, wow. And I got a PhD in that time randomly. <laughs> yeah, just oh, I'll, you know, I get ten years, you know, I'll do a PhD anyway. Um, um, yeah, and I finally got the scholarship, and I was, and I'd learned things, and I'd studied over here as well. Obviously, composition PhD, but I also did a film music course, and then I went and did another master's after my PhD. Really weird doing a master's after your PhD at NYU. So I finally got the scholarship. Then I moved to LA and I lived there for a good six years and worked in the industry on, you know, we mentioned Pitch Perfect 3 was one example. I did work on The Force Awakens, for example, Star Wars. That was one of my first, right at the very end of it. Did almost nothing. Baywatch. Let's, lest we forget well, Baywatch. <laughs> yeah, the, the movie, although I kind of wish I, I was around in the night while. It's a kind of, it's a good and a bad thing. This is something about the nostalgia of how innocent the old Baywatch show was yeah, and in right place. right yep yeah it's uh <laughs> um, cool though it's a little, totally. jay as a song as a singer songwriter your music and lyrics and and uh, composition of a song is like usually like deeply personal whereas right. joe you sometimes have to leave the personal aside for the right. project that you're working on to put the music to um you know, to match what's going on, uh, you know, in, in the project. Like, it's very similar, but so different in the way that you have to approach it. 
the closest I could think of, like that I could relate to that, is I've had uh, two people ask me to write songs for one was for a wedding, was for their like their own personal wedding song, and one was my friend wanted a song to from her to her mom and dad to thank them for uh, what they how they supported her through her life um, as a gift to them for for their anniversary. So I would sit down and say, well, tell me your story, like for the, particularly for the, um, the wedding song, like how did you meet and what do you want to say? And so that's the closest I could really relate to that. But uh, I could see where that's completely very, very different when you're, it's almost like doing it backwards, like Joe said, like first you, you're almost like the movie um, oh. first. Um, but what you said before, Denise, was interesting when there's a composer like, like a certain style of music brings you right back to the era? Movies are so diverse. I mean, there are movies that don't need music almost at all, and they're mm -hmm. better off without it. So it's funny. I mean, and so, you know, I mean, if you really want to be, met, um, be existential about it, you know, you can question, you know, when music stops and noise begins and, you know, what mm -hmm. is music anyway. But I, let's not go there. Let's go on the screen. <laughs> um, but it, but you can almost go into this because some of even doing what we do is actually deciding no, this this is better with no music. This is much like, and I've had often. Um, I'll say I'll have disagreements, saying oh, I don't think there should be music here personally, or I'll say no, there should be music here um, with directors and what have you, and film in particular. I mean, opera is like I said, you know, it's the music that actually drives the story. It's it's the film that rolls along. So you mm -hmm. sort of then then the action and the drama is shaped on that. We had a dancer in the show as well. By the way, I should say. You can actually hear Watershed. It's online. Um, it? If you just Google Watershed in full, for oh. some reason in full, yeah, it'll come up. It's on ABC Classic and the performance is there. Uh, just the audio, but it's a very, it's great recording. Um, I need to get it released properly somehow. And But I think they want to wait for the Opera House version. So, but yeah, if people want to hear it, it's all there. And um, even just to pick on, on one, up quickly on one little thing you mentioned about you know, the period, the 70s and the 80s and, and how instruments play into that. Um, I did, I, I played a delicate balance with one particular part of Watershed where Don Dunstan has this, this um, solos, aria type thing. Uh, Don Dunstan really being kind of political hero in the whole thing. But it was his struggle. He was arguing with the police and he was um, putting on record what he believed that had happened that night and, and the police were involved and what have you. Um, it's a short little thing, but I actually put a guitar in there with a, a effects pedal that sounded very 80s porn, like, but <laughs> I did it in just the right way. I mean, the music was very, in some ways the music was almost a bit filmic, but it was very struggle hero kind of thing. Like it was exploring different chords and it would reach a sort of moment and come back down and then, and as the, and it would reflect the words of what he was saying, you know, I believe this and I believe that he's telling this whole thing. I believe in 1972, there was a police cover up, the running of Duncan, Duncan, they're the words, and it's rhythm. But there's this guitar, like kind of, you know, going along there. And it, but it was just kind of cool. I thought this is it. It's, it's because he was a really cool guy. He was a groovy left wing politician of the time who, you know, uh, uh, people believed in at the time because it was sort of the period of free love and hippies. Like there's a bit of that involved and what have you. Uh, and for, you know, for queer, queer rights, it was very early for Australia uh, mm -hmm. and it was a watershed moment. So it's funny how that's just another example of how you can rationalise 
I suppose after the fact, but you can try something that you might think, oh, is this going to work? And even though you think, oh, that's a terrible idea because that's so dated and it's like so, you know, bad taste, um, <laughs> it worked. It just kind of gave, it just gave him a touch of pizzazz or something, whatever that is, you know. Right. Uh, but it, but the music was still serious. The strings are playing serious chords and and rhythms and harmonies, but this guitar is just like jamming out. So. <laughs> Without, yeah. being, uh, without being bow, chick, bow, bow. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Without being totally, you know, although we are talking about sex after all, but yeah, but it's it's still, it's uh, it almost was like a moment of lightness because and then, then there's a court case and it's really intense and dramatic and what have you. So, um, yeah, I'm always, it's all just part of the, the fun of, of storytelling, you know. Um, oh, oh. So every song does it. Uh, and in some ways, an opera or an oratorio or a film, film's a little different, but it they're still just telling a story the same way a song does, just in a different way. It's just unfolding over time and words and married with with music that makes you feel a certain way, you know, just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. Got quite the talent for it. So <laughs> you, Thank you. you keep doing yeah. what you do and, and um, we'll just have to keep an eye on you, mister. Oh yeah, oh, thank you. pleasure meeting you, Joe. I've like I said, I've heard so much about you. I couldn't, I couldn't wait for this. Like Gemma speaks so, so, so highly of you. And she's always um keeping up with whatever you've got going on and filling me in. And so I, I this has been an absolute pleasure, like to say now that we have met. So next time <laughs> you are in London, she said that we are we're all getting together. I appreciate it. And thank you for being so accommodating. uh, No worries. No worries. My night owl tendencies. (laughs) (laughs) It actually works great, I'm sure, with time differences and after all. So it was a lot of time zone math. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Okay, we're getting better and better at it. All right, my friend. It was it was a a pleasure. And uh, we'll keep yeah, we will we'll keep up and uh, we'll hope everybody opens their minds a little bit. (laughs) Right. Take care, John. Thank you. It's like never stop chasing your dreams. <laughs> we drank way too much whiskey. Uh huh. Yeah, see, see. My addiction is you. Is you.